0: Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode number 89. How you doing? What's going on? I'm avoiding talking about 1989... Man, I really want to talk about 1989. Not just the Taylor Swift album, 1989, which is probably my favorite Taylor Swift album, but just the year 1989. It was a good year in my life. I think I got dumped by my first girlfriend in 1989. Was that true? Yeah. Yeah, I did. In like June or July of 1989, I got dumped. But it was still a good year, and I I look back upon it semi-fondly. I speak a lot of crap about my hometown, Fairbanks, Alaska, but I love my friends, and there was a lot of great people up there, and it was nice, and I miss them. It's nice to have friends that you miss. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. Anyway, hi, how's it going? Happy Saturday. It's not actually Saturday. I'm lying. It's Friday morning, 1045 in the morning. I'm recording this. Because I've been so insanely busy this week, and I'm going to keep being busy all weekend. Uh, I have today off because i got to do another appointment for my mom. 3 o'clock, we got to go to one of the 10, by my count, UNC clinics we have been going to. Uh, this is a second visit, though. It should be pretty straightforward, uh, but that's at 3 o'clock, so I took the day off. It's Friday. Uh, I've had... So many meetings, so many things this week, mom things, but not just mom things. This is only the third mom thing. I mean, it's her fifth, but I don't have to be there for a lot of them. Uh, Just work, meetings, calls. It's been an insane, crazy week. It's really overwhelming. Um, And I really lucked out because last night, Janet, my mother-in-law, took Jane, my daughter, for a sleepover across the street, and uh, then I got both the evening off and the morning off, so I didn't have to answer to anyone until lunchtime today, which is just fantastic, so I spent a lot of time plotting out exactly how to get everything done. We need firewood. We used it all up. We had some visitors last weekend. I think it was last weekend. Just uh, passing through, stayed at a hotel, the same hotel up the road that my mom and I uh, quarantined in, But they were driving back up from their family's house to their house in Baltimore from Florida. So that was nice, and we saw them, but we used up all our firewood, and we're going to have some visitors again this weekend staying in our driveway. We stay outside with all these people. We wear masks outside. We're completely neurotic still. I don't want you to get the impression we're not, but uh, it's nice to see some human beings. Uh, Anyway, since we used up all the firewood, I had to get some more firewood today, and... You know, we don't do a lot of fires, and around here, firewood is this weird seasonal thing. They're like, it has changed the weather, and we no longer think you need firewood, and they'll stop selling it at like the hardware store and stuff. But today was really cold, and apparently, I have a theory that, you know, the last frost date around here is April 7th. I have a theory they keep selling firewood till after the last frost date. That's my theory. So I stocked up on firewood, I went to the grocery store, got my mom some more coffee. Uh, If you hear some rumbling sounds in the background while I'm doing this podcast, that is my mother upstairs. (laughs) She's got a walker. She's got the little tennis ball things on it, but it still makes a lot of sounds. Anyway, I had to get her some coffee, had to get some more banana peppers and uh, stuff, and then I had to go to the garden center. Because that's a whole thing that we'll talk about in a little bit. And I needed to get all that done because this weekend I got, a, you know, plants in the ground. I think we're having last frost tonight. So, you know, it's supposed to be 45 tomorrow night and then 50 the next night and then 55 the night after that. And so I think we're at the last frost. The average last frost is April 7th. So we could have one more. And I am sort of debating, but there's some more cold hardy plants I can definitely put out there now. So I'm going to start putting stuff on the garden this weekend, which means... You know, I needed to get some supplies. Uh, Yeah, so I just got back from that trip. Uh, I went to (laughs) this morning's been crazy. I got up at seven o'clock. I wrote my daily email. I hopped in the car. I went to the grocery store. Then I went to the first gardening center, but it didn't open until (laughs) ten. I was like, "Come on, man! This is a gardening center. I thought people came here in the morning, but I guess that doesn't isn't the way it works." Uh, so it was it was at nine o'clock at that point. So I was like, "Where's the other garden center?" It's just up the road. So I went to that garden center first. It wasn't as good though. Like the, the you know, one's called Southern States, and then the good one is called Fifth Season, which I like because it reminds me of the N.K. Jemisin novels, the Broken Earth trilogy. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> the Southern States is like, has a garden center, but it's more of like a farm place. So it's a lot of livestock stuff, a lot of chicken feed I had live chickens. though; they're really cute little baby chicken. Oh, I wanted them so bad. Um, so, you know, how do you, has a good, decent garden center, but nothing like a fifth season, but it opens at 7am. <laughs> so I went there That's good. I got some mushroom compost Got some Neptunes harvests, fertilizers. I got some seed potatoes because my experiment with growing potatoes from the grocery store did not work out. Uh, it's, it's decent. It has stuff you need that you can't get at Lowe's or Home Depot. Uh, and it had uh, the entire Espoma line of organic soil amendments. So that was nice. Uh, yeah. So then, you know, uh, get left there, went to the grocery store again, different grocery store because I still had 19 minutes to kill. Uh, you know, just really, when did I get there? Oh, yeah, uh, snow peas. Hard to find snow peas this week. <laughs> this is all very interesting, I know. And then the nice fancy garden center, fifth season, which was awesome. And I got a, this beautiful gray ceramic planter. I got, you know, I, I got, um, I didn't buy a lot, lot there, actually, because I did get the the necessities I needed at the first garden center, the compost and, and the uh, blood meal and the uh, potatoes. But I got a nice planter. I got a soil testing kit. Uh, you know, it was pretty funny though. There's only one car in the lot, and it was there when I got there at nine. And it was a Tesla Model X, and I'm like, and it's parked right in the front. I'm like, that's the owner. <laughs> I was like, the owner parked out front in their Model X because I mean, it was there the whole time. Like, you don't park an hour before. There's no one in it too, so it wasn't like me who got to the store early and was just sitting there. You know what I mean? But anyway, it's been busy here in Chatham County with with the mom stuff, with the baby stuff, with the work stuff. One thing that's been nice, though, is aside from the last two days, it's been getting warm out and it's getting sunny. And it's been warm enough to walk around the neighborhood again, which has been really great because we haven't seen like all the regular neighbors, but we've seen a bunch of neighbors and we've had some nice talks on the street. One neighbor is planning an addition to their house. One is working on the solar battery project, solar plus battery project that we went through and another neighbor went through and actually two neighbors are doing it right now. So that's cool. And, you know, we're helping them out and passing on our original proposals and stuff like that. That's cool. That's in the whole neighborhood slowly goes solar, but it's really just nice talking to human beings. I have been enjoying that. Uh, yeah. And yeah, so, you know, that's life in Chatham County. A lot of mom doctors, a lot of work. It's going okay. The kittens are good. They are barely kittens anymore, but they're getting more cuddly, which is nice. They're getting sneakier. They have realized that rules are made to be broken when we're not looking. There's all these little paw prints on our dining room table, and like whenever I accidentally leave the garage door open for months, they didn't care. They wouldn't go anywhere new. It's terrifying. But now if I leave it open, and I come back, and they're just standing at the door ready to sneak in. (laughs) And then uh, Jane's good. She's taken to dressing like the kitties. Well, Roy, the black cat. She puts on black pajamas. Then she puts on these black kitty ears and this black tail. And she's like, I'm Roy. She's really identifying with cats. It's uh it's pretty pretty cute. You know, she's never seen anything like Frozen or anything like that. So she's going to identify with the thing around her that most is appealing to her and there's no Elsa or anything. So Roy it is. She she cosplays this cat. It's really cute. She still has some tantrums. She's still pretty stubborn and she's definitely still a 3-year-old. She's very, you know, Got you know, this try again infinite loop that just makes us miserable because she doesn't really mean it and she won't really try again. And we try different ways to break the loop, but we can get the loop broken, but it's always with a tantrum. And then it's just, you know, this tantrum, tantrum, tantrum. Some nights we're still alternating bedtimes because it's still exhausting. So why exhaust both of us at the same night, especially with my mom here to like, you know, make things even more exhausting? I love my mom, don't get me wrong. Um, but, uh, you know, so it's like, we can get her to break the try again, Jane, try again cycle, but it always involves a tantrum and it's just so exhausting. Or if we do discover a trick, I like the other night I figured out a trick, which is to look very stern and be like, I'll put you down and you can try again. But if you don't try again, I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to put you right in that crib. But these tricks only work once, maybe twice. Last chance used to be our other one. and We never broke it. We never violated it. When we said last chance, we meant it. And she just stopped caring. And now she just goes, no last chance and ignores us. And so it's like, All it means now when you say last chance is like, I'm going to say these two words that are going to cause you to scream and cry. And then I have to pick you up and put you in the bin and cause you to scream and cry. And I'm negating any other possibility of finding a way to solve this problem right now. So it feels kind of dumb to even use it. You know what I mean? She's not picking up the lesson that it's intended to convey. Like, and I remember this, I remember this with my mom. She would do one, two, three to me. And one day I was just like, this doesn't mean anything. And then my, I could see that, you know, I could see my me making my mom distraught the day she realized that I wasn't going to fall for one, two, three anymore, and it was such a bummer. I mean, at the time, I felt very triumphant about it, but now I feel terrible about it, you know? <laughs> so, so I don't really, I don't know. It's, it's sad. It's tough, but it, it's not always like that, and she's pretty great a lot of the time. My last bedtime, she had two tantrums, but... The two bedtimes before that were fantastic and she was just a good kid and it was really great and she loves her coloring and she's way more conversational we can talk about things. She hasn't quite gotten fully to abstract ideas or anything yet, but it's pretty awesome. It's pretty great. Uh, Yeah, and then the health of the diet, that's the thing that went out the window. I'm not even trying. It's sad, and I'm gaining weight every week, and it sucks. I'm still under my peak, and I'm still, I think, a pound or two under what I started the year at, but it's just not good, and I need to do something about it. At least I'm getting some exercise again now that it's warming up, and also every weekend I'm doing intense labor in the garden. So I am getting some physical activity, and I'm not eating my meals badly. It's just the nighttime snacks are really bad. And I have a Kit Kat problem, I'm not gonna lie, which is so weird. I never liked sweets, but I sure do like Kit Kats now. Uh, but you know, I'm gonna worry about that when my mom leaves, which is probably another month, yeah. So, yeah, a uh, big round of all the tests and everything, and we still don't know what's up with her. And a lot of things are getting fixed and better and things like that. And we found some things, but the main problem with her leg is not heart related and we don't really know what it is still so we've got new referrals and a referral means that the doc i mean i know you know what a referral mean but what it practically means for us is that the doctor says i'm gonna make a referral and then the next day she submits it to her referral team and then by the end of that next day if we're lucky but usually two days i'll get an email saying well there's been a referral to the specialist and then if i'm lucky the day after that by the end of the day but usually the day after that. So we're now five days after the initial appointment. I can then schedule an appointment with the specialist. And then that appointment's usually a week out. And then we go to that appointment. And then they talk to her for, you know, 15 minutes or whatever. And then they order about a round of tests. And not once have those tests just been something we can go into the other room and do you then have to schedule tests and go to another clinic and it takes another week and then you do the tests and then you got to wait another week to get your follow up appointment with a doctor where the doctor tells you that the tests you were negative and there is nothing wrong and you're like okay well that was 3 to 4 weeks with no results and now we're going through another cycle of that so it's been a week tomorrow since the doctor's appointment with her primary care physician and the first specialist appointment is next Thursday. So it'll have been just have 12 days from the appointment to the first specialist appointment. Then I imagine it'll be two weeks after that before we get any answers. So, you know, we're looking at mid to late April at that point, which is pretty exhausting for me. I'm not going to lie. And, uh, you know, I mean, more more relevantly and more practically is that my mom doesn't know what's wrong, which is even more stressful than my, you know, hoo. there's somebody in my house. It's like it's still a problem. And, and we don't know if she can go home because, you know, we found out this particular specialist. One of my dad's cousins told me that there is one of these specialists in Fairbanks and they're actually pretty good. So if this is the problem and it doesn't require specialized surgery and just you know, requires maintaining, then my mom could go home. But we don't know if this is the problem. So we could get through another three or four week cycle, and that's not the problem. And then we have to start all over again. And my, the, her, her PCP primary care physician is running out of theories. So it's, it's a little rough. Uh, this is kind of like the last roll of the dice. I don't know what we're going to do after this one. Uh, yeah. I did get my first vaccine shot, and I will get the second one on April 19th. So I can take her home if I need to. She's also much more clear headed and she's way more ambulatory. I bet she could take her cell phone, but if need be, I could bring her home now. So that's good. Uh, well, not now, but by the time this round of uh, testing and doctors is done, I'll be two weeks past my second shot. So I could, you know, theoretically take her home. I don't want to, but I will. Yeah. So that's what's going on there. Work is good. It's also really busy. Uh, it's pretty crazy. There's a lot of like wheeling and dealing and new biz and sales that are just kind of crazy and it takes up a lot of time. There's a ton of contracts that me and David and Adam are always working on. Every day there's some contract. And I really could use like a like a chief counsel, but I don't know what I can do with revenue until I know what's up with Apple if we still, you know, are are profitable or not. We got plenty of money in the bank. It's not like, you know, mission critical to the company, but I should probably not hire a bunch of new people until I know what's up. Apple has not still rolled out their Apple ad tracking transparency framework. It should be, I bet it's in the next two weeks. So then we'll see what's happening. I did write an, I wrote a long uh, article about that in my newsletter, if you're curious. So, you know, about Apple and what it's doing to the company. So I will spare you here. I am trying to not overlap too much between the various media channels. Although I don't know why. Really, I should just say the same shit and people could decide if they want to listen to it in oral form or written form. Right. But I try to keep it interesting and different each time. Uh, yeah. But uh, and then the other thing is like somebody finally went into the office this week and there was just a ton of paper checks for the company. They were all pretty small, but, you know, added up to a couple grand total and they were just sitting there in the in the office. And I I didn't know people were still paying us by paper check. It's kind of crazy. Like we get new clients pretty regularly, like one every week or two. And the last batch of paper checks I got, Q or VP of finance was like, oh, those people all have switched over to paying by bank wire. So you can ignore those checks. And then I got a new batch of checks by two new companies. And I don't know if these people are switched to bank wire or what I was going to like, just go deposit them today while I was out. Cause it's a weekday and I was in Chapel Hill and there's a chase branch, but, uh, I need to check first. So I didn't do it. So I don't know. It's pretty crazy. People still pay by paper check. Part of me thinks that it's like a a genius scam like I should try this like pay some company by a check that I think aren't going into their office (laughs) and see if they cash it because one of them was like two months old (laughs) all pro over here (laughs) all pro and uh, we've been doing a lot of interviews as well so that you know I don't know if, if you've ever gone through an interview cycle or HR cycle you got a new job open you know you've got a job and then you're hiring some people it's like half your job on top of your regular job you know what I mean So it's pretty exhausting. And one of them has got some immigration stuff going on with it. So I got to handle that with yet another lawyer. And it's just like, oh, my God, so much work, so much work, kind of not any one big thing. Just a bunch of stuff came up in addition to the regular, you know, slate of meetings during the week. So it was pretty intense. I'm not gonna lie; it was a rough week. There was really like days, four days in a row, where I was maybe had a half hour free here or there, and it was just meeting, 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 and it really reminded me. I I said this in the email, but I'll say it again. It really reminded me of when I worked at Barbarian Group, and I was like, uh, you know, I had production and account service and HR and finance and planning all and strategy all reporting to me and, and the clients, you know, and and I wasn't in control of my own calendar and people would just put meetings in day-to-day. I didn't have an admin. And people just knew the drill, which was like find an empty space in the calendar in these hours and put put the meeting in. And I just would, you know, I get to work every morning and it was just like looking at my calendar and there was eight meetings in a row. And, you know, I, every minute of the whole day was going to be in meetings. And I just would go to meeting to meeting. And like, I, 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 I've I I've never really nailed describing this, but like I I, I sort of tried to pretend I was in a robe and I was cozy and warm and I would walk around with my two liter of diet Coke and it was flat and lukewarm because I was a fucking weirdo. And I would just kind of like be exhausted and i would go to each meeting. I'd sit down on the meeting and I'd sort of like take a moment and gather all my energy and then hyper-focus and figure out where we were and catch up and be like, okay. And I participate in the meeting and I'd, I usually would nail the meetings. Occasionally I'd flub this obviously, but like I would get through the whole meeting and then I would just be spent And then I would go to the next meeting and I would do it again. And I would do it eight times a day. And then I'd get out of the meeting and I'd be like exhausted. And it'd be like seven o'clock by that point too, because my schedule skewed a little late there. And then I would just go to the bar and drink. (laughs) I often didn't bother with dinner or I would grab like a slice of pizza. And then I would just meet the first people that were willing to drink after dinner or, or whatever. And I would just drink, pass out, wake up, do it again the next day for days and days and days, and it was not a healthy way to live. And I really, I have still have like very, like a lot of trauma from that whole period, how unhealthy I was, how exhausted I was. And I was reading, you know, I mentioned this book, uh, I think I'll mention it again today, actually, because I finished it in the last two weeks. But these sci-fi books I'm reading, you know, A uh, Long Way Around to a an Angry, Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers, there's a character, and he's the navigator, and he's, like, kind of sick, and he just, he's actually a binary being. He's, like, a symbiont, kind of like a trill in Star Trek. So they is the proper pronoun, but they would go into the, you know, they would just hide in their room all the time, and then when they needed to, be, to navigate somewhere, they, they would just sort of stumble into the... <laughs> under the, the, bri- the bridge and they'd sit at their chair and they'd do their job and then they'd just sort of stumble back into their room and the lights would be low all the time and I was like I feel like this symbiont navigator in this book again and I haven't had this I had it at Tumblr as well but I I don't know I enjoyed Tumblr more and also I was living with Emma by then so I wasn't drinking quite as much I was getting up a little bit early that was my first experiment with getting up early a Barbarian I always like tried to stay late and that was so that kind of like made this kind of my fault I am rambling I'm sorry but you know like if you're not going to get to work till 11 and you have seven meetings, you're stuck there till 7 p.m. But if you start getting to work at 845, 830, like I did at Tumblr, even if you have seven meetings, you can get out of there at a reasonable hour. And I had been avoiding that my whole life until that moment. And the Tumblr is when I really converted me to getting into someplace early and it being better. And I did that as I percolate as well. at SoundCloud, And I still do now. So, yeah, it's not quite as bad now. And the, the meeting cadence was you know, this is only one week of it. And even now, it wasn't as bad as it was back in the day. But it's definitely. Definitely put that all in my head again and gave me a little bit of trauma, you know what I mean? But yeah, that's how it works going. It's going well. I'm into it, but that it's, it was it was a rough week. Uh the gardening though, let's talk about the gardening. Let's talk about something pleasant. The gardening is awesome. Two weekends ago, I made the compost bins out of the pallets. It worked great. They're they're fantastic. I'm using them. I love them. The compost is in pretty good shape. It was actually warm again last week. I don't know. I'll see what it is tomorrow, but it seems like I've mostly got that fixed. I've got a real com- hot compost pile going. I think of it as warm, but they call it a hot compost pile. And that was great. And then last weekend, uh, you know, I also I've been hardening off my seedlings. I've got like two or 300 of seedlings of various types, and I like – I and mean, then I got the shelf together, got wheels casters onto our wire, my wire shelf that I'm growing all these things on. So now I can just roll it out into the, under <laughs> the driveway for an hour or two a day to harden the seedlings off, and it's so much easier than moving each little you know tray over. Uh, so that's been going great. And then I've got this big tall planter. I'm making YouTube videos about these, so, yeah, but only seven people are watching them, and you know over a thousand people listen to this, so it's a very different group. But anyway. I have this planter. It's called a green stock planter, and it has thirty different pots for thirty different plants in a vertical wheeled tower. It's really awesome, and I needed to fill it with dirt. And I had bought a cubic yard of topsoil. My wife was doing some landscaping, and the landscapers were like, "Yes, we can bring topsoil." So they brought topsoil, and I was like, "I'm," I was, I was so cocky. I was like, "I know what I'm doing with making." planting container dirt out of topsoil I can do this and use amendments and compost and blah 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 and I have not worried about it all year so, I mean I bought the dirt like three months ago and I've just assumed I will be able to make perfect growing soil out of this dirt and then I started doing it so I wheeled over the various containers for this green stock planter and I started filling it with the topsoil and I had rocks in it and it's kind of sandy and I was like this is not gonna work So I had to screen it all. I have a compost screener. You stick it over your wheelbarrow, and you you shovel the dirt into it, and you shake it, and it screens out all the rocks. I had to do that, and then I added a bunch of like blood meal and worm castings and vermiculite to the dirt, and it started to feel a little bit more like topsoil, but it definitely felt sort of devoid of nutrients, and I have some compost, but I was really still hoping mine would be usable, and I think mine will be usable, but there's not a lot of it, and so I, I need to add compost to it still. So I had to buy a lot more compost because I didn't think I was going to need to buy any compost. My goal, I failed. My goal was to only buy cheap dirt and use the compost that I have on property, on premises, to make my planting mix this year. And my compost isn't ready. So I had to buy a bunch of compost, which is what I did today. So I filled those containers with, you know, decently amended soil. And I think once the compost gets in it, which I have to do this weekend, it will be a lot better. Um, and then I got my big birdies beds. I got to fill those up still same thing. These things are going to require, I mean, close to most of the yard of topsoil is going to go into these birdies beds, which makes me nervous. Cause I think I'm actually going to run out of dirt, including all the dirt I used last year. And then, you know, I'll have to put compost in there and vermiculite and some fertilizers, organic uh, worm castings. I got some Neptunes harvest today. And prep the beds. And then I found out you're supposed to do this and let the beds sit for like a month before you use them. And I just did this last week and I want to plan in them this week. I'm going to do the birdies beds this week. I want to plan them in next week. So I'm a little bummed. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, at my friend, Abby, who I consider a master gardener compared to me, she says not to worry about it. It should be fine. Um, I think it'll be okay, but... I don't know, the bioavailability of the blood meal and the worm castings won't happen for a month or so, but I think they can make it. And I'll use like the Neptune's Harvest liquid fertilizer when I water it in. I think it's going to be fine, but I'm suddenly very scared that I totally did this dirt thing wrong. And I I put all my chips in this basket, basically. And if it doesn't work, my entire gardening endeavor this year is going to fail. So I'm freaking out. But it won't, you know, if that happens, I will just go, I'll, I'll adapt, I'll adapt. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. But yeah, and then I'm really enjoying making these YouTube videos. As you recall, I was making these time lapses before of the sunrise, and that that was fun, and I should probably start again, because the sunrises have been really pretty the last few days. But I sort of took that skill, and I moved it on to making these like, video diary of my gardening, and, you know, I'm literally the only 10 people are watching them, and they're on YouTube under my name, Rick Webb. But... I'm really enjoying making them and I'm really enjoying the whole thing. And it's nice to have this like, you know, the hope and the goal is as the whole season progresses and I have this amazing blooming garden, I can watch the whole thing from the beginning and I can see how it just started from these seeds. And that'll be really cool. I think, I think that'll be really cool. But it is taking on one more project. But, you know, uh, you get long-time listeners to this will remember that I didn't have many projects going on for a while. So having the gardening and the YouTube videos and the new email, I think, is, you know, it's a lot of projects. But I'm okay with it. They're the projects I want to be doing right now. And I'm enjoying it. So, yeah. And then the email, the sub, it's on Substack. And that's problematic. I wrote about why. But, uh, yeah, I've got this daily email. I was doing them on Facebook. and I've been doing it for, you know, a year. I mean, I just did episode or edition number 357 today. So <laughs> it's a year, um, but they were on Facebook for a long time. But over the last like two, three weeks, I started doing them I an email form so you can sign up for the email at rickweb.substack.com and they are literally about nothing. You know, I get some people I recognize are in email addresses from, uh, <laughs> from my industry days and I do touch on industry stuff. I try to make it a little bit like, you know, things you, Things a layperson may have heard about the ad industry on the news and been curious about, and I try to explain it to them in layperson's terms, and I try to highlight interesting issues and explain them. So, you know, it is a bit about the industry, but it's more about nothing, It's you know, like whatever's on my mind and things like that. And it's been really fun. And the other great thing about doing it on an email list form is I can add images, I can add like YouTube links, I can do bold text, I can do italics text. Couldn't do any of those on Facebook, really. So I, I've been, I've been enjoying it. It's hard. <laughs> I get up at seven, and I have till nine when Jane gets up to, uh, and I officially start work to get this thing done and get it sent out. And uh, most days it's plenty of time and I can do it, but some days it's really tighter, and I don't have enough topics or something and I just get all stressed out. But but all in all, it's been rewarding and really the commentary, the great thing about taking it off of Facebook is I didn't, I knew academically how many of my friends were no longer on Facebook, but wow, as soon as I started doing this, not on Facebook and all these people signed up that weren't on Facebook, it's been great. All these people I haven't talked to in ages, you know, like, mm, yeah, it's, it's rewarding. It's rewarding. A lot of the commentary, I, I still cross post them to Facebook Cause a lot of the readers on Facebook were adamant. They preferred reading them on Facebook. A lot of them are now signed up for the email, but most of the commentary still happens on, well now actually now it's sort of two different areas of commentary, which is a little weird, but it's not that bad of a problem. And I think I'm into it. Uh, yeah. So that's fun. New email list. I write for therapy basically. And it keeps me sane. Uh, in addition to writing that every day, I write 750 words to myself. That's where the deep, scary stuff is. <laughs> You know, so, but the, the two in combination, uh, they keep me sane. They, they are the thing that keeps me sane. I've been definitely a little, it's been a little rough lately. I wrote about this this morning. I've been, you know, I've been stressed with all this stuff with mom and, pandemic and work and, and 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 child and whatnot and i'm not like taking it out on people in the house too badly i mean i've snapped stabbed my mom once or twice and i feel terrible about it but all in all it's been going well but what i've been doing is i'm taking it out on, p- on pundits on the television <laughs> or politicians like aoc was on and she was talking about the infrastructure bill and she was like it's a good start but it needs to be bigger and i was just like i know what you're doing and And I know that this whole thing is kind of like a clever widening of the Overton window and telling the American public that it's okay to spend more than $10 trillion right now. But also, you are not speaking in a with any semblance of realism. You are not acknowledging the reality of Joe Manchin or the Republican Party or the complexities of reconciliation. And it is very upsetting to me. (laughs) I start yelling, even though I know they're just doing a job. They are not they're cheerleaders. They're not on television to be honest. You know what I mean? (laughs) So yeah. And then that was, that's, that's taking its toll on Emma. <laughs> she doesn't want to see me yelling at Rachel Maddow or see. It's kind of funny. It's not like I disagree with their, their core principle. This is obviously, I mean, we, we had many conversations about this back during the uh, elections with Bernie and things like that. Like, it's not that I disagree with people's politics. It's that we have disagreements about tactics and reality. So that's been coming to the fore, but it's not just politics you know, I'll yell at characters if they do something dumb in a TV show or something like that. And I was just like, you need to chill out. And I'm like, I'm trying to vent. I'm trying to relax. I'm sorry. But you know, at least this is a relatively harmless outlet. My wife has to listen to me sometimes. Not always. I do it to YouTubers too. (laughs) But it's, you know, we're she and I are getting along great. We're not fighting, so it's, it could be worse. Like, when people get under a lot of stress, they do weird things to the people around them, and I'm very cognizant of that, and I'm trying to not do that. So the TV is getting the brunt of it. <laughs> you know, those poor pundits. I don't tweet at them or anything like that. I'm not, like, an asshole. Well, I, I mean, everybody's an asshole, but, you know, I try to keep it under control. Anyway, that's what's going on in my life in Chapel Hill. Let's turn to the media, shall we? Uh, I put a bunch of new stuff up in Plex. If you are a user of my Plex, I added the Wong Kar Wai film Chungking Express at the suggestion of my friend Og Stone. I had forgotten how great that film was. I had also forgotten how great Cleo from 5 to 7 was, so that is up there as well. Then I put Dog Park up there, which is Bruce McCullough from Kids in the Hall. I think, I think it might have been his direct non-Kids in the Hall directorial debut. It's like a rom-com that takes place in Toronto at a dog park with Luke Wilson. Uh, I saw the premiere of it in Toronto at the film festival. I've always had a soft spot for it. So I ripped that and put that up there. So those are the new additions up in Plex. Uh, I I would recommend them all actually. I mean, dog park is a far later film than the other two, but uh, actually crap. Hold on. I forgot. I was downloading something on a remote computer and uh, it's been sitting there downloaded for a while and I don't like doing that. So I just grabbed that. That'll be up next in two weeks, but I'll tell you guys now, License to Drive. (laughs) I had a Zoom call with some friends last weekend, and we all started talking about License to Drive and how we all kind of remembered the plot and the whole thing about turning into the the skid in a puddle, and like we all remembered it, and it was weird, and nobody had watched that film in like 30 years, but we all remembered it, so I was like, I'm going to download License to Drive, so I did, so it'll be up in Plex in the next day or two. Whoops, just bumped and turned off the thing, but uh, yeah, so that'll be up there. Uh, vinyl. I got a ton of vinyl in the mail. It was pretty nice. Uh, I subscribed a long time ago to a record of the month club from this record label called Three Lobed Records, I believe it's called. And, uh, I got the first record, and I think I got the second record, and... Uh, just the third one came in along with two t-shirts. Very nice t-shirts. Very happy about that. And the third one is a new sunburned hand, sunburned hand of the oh, Jesus. I can't even say this. Sunburned hand of the man album called Pick a Day to Die. My sister used to be in that band. I used to be friends with them. I've talked about them a lot. She's not in the band anymore. Uh, but that was great. It was a good record. Uh, very excited to get it. It's on silver vinyl. It's lovely. So that came in. My vinyl me please selection of the month came in. Leon Ware's Musical Massage. Didn't know anything about Leon Ware. I enjoyed that album immensely. Uh, you know, R&B, smooth R&B. Eh, not overly smooth, a little bit funky, a little bit smooth. Uh, it's a great record. Very into that. Uh, I got the finally got the vinyl edition off of Merge Records, the pink vinyl edition of the Mountain Goats album songs for Pierre Chauvin, which is his sort of quarantine tapes album he recorded in like a week or two. God, it's probably been almost a year ago now at the beginning of the pandemic. And I mean, it's been out long enough that they put it out. I think three different versions of the cassette. It was a cassette only release and I couldn't get any of them. Each edition sold out too fast, but then they finally put out a vinyl version. I got that. So that's how long it's been out to be in its fourth edition already. <laughs> Jesus pandemic has been so long. got an old bark psychosis, 12 inch called blue bark psychosis, this English post-rock band, very much like talk talk in their early days. Uh, let me clarify. Bark Psychosis's early days is like Talk Talk's late period, like you could tell they were very influenced by Spirit of Eden and things like that. Late period Bark Psychosis went into sort of R and I'm sorry, drum and bass realm, and early Talk Talk, as we know, was a little poppy. But there's an overlap between late period Talk Talk and early period Bark Psychosis. I love early Bark Psychosis. I bought their CD compilation like more than 20 years ago, it's called Independence. And I mean, I sold it and I regretted it. And I've been slowly trying to buy all the 12 inch singles that comprise the independency album. And I think I've got most of them now it's taken, it's taken years, but, uh, yeah, I just, I love that band. And then, uh, I got the top gun soundtrack on red vinyl at Walmart last weekend. I felt really not weekend shopping trip. Two shopping trips back. I forgot to look at the vinyl section at Walmart this week. There's a pretty good vinyl section at Walmart. Not going to lie. I didn't know. I have all these weeks, months, years I've been going to Walmart. I had no idea they had a decent vinyl section. But, yeah, man, I love the Top Gun soundtrack. I love Harold Faltermeyer. I love the Top Gun anthem. <laughs> I love Take My Breath Away by Berlin. And I love Memories, the song they play when, uh, spoilers, <laughs> Goose Dies. And uh, I'm very excited for the Top Gun sequel. I wish it would come out soon. I don't know what's up with that. Like, uh, you know, it's, you know, something like the MCU and the Black Widow movie. They've got to put it out because it's holding up a whole slate of movies. But I don't think the Top Gun sequel is holding up four more Top Gun sequels or anything like that. So I suspect they're just going to hold on to it until we can see it in the theater, which is a bit of a bummer. But if they do do that before the pandemic's over, haha, I said do do. I think that might be the first film, especially since now I've had my first shot, that I will rent an entire theater for. Both the theaters near me are doing private rentals, and I would definitely pay 100 bucks to go sit alone in a theater and watch Top Gun sequel. I'm going to do that if that happens. Absolutely. Uh, then I got the Flying, Sa- Flying Saucer Attack album called Mirror on Vinyl. I had this on CD and I sold it. Flying Saucer Attack is like a total drony feedback space rock version of Popol the it's like Kraut rock meets uh Spaceman three meets my bloody Valentine meets the Jesus Mary chain I've loved them forever um and this album is a very minimalist one it's on clear vinyl and I again had it on CD and sold it basically what I've been doing I think I said this last time is that I've been looking at the new items coming for sale on Discogs from my want list every day sorted by lowest Price and so this one seller had the Flying Saucer Attack record and these other three records I'm about to mention for low amounts of money. So I just did a bundle order, right? There's a lot of stuff on my wish list that are like $7,500, and I'm just am not going to pay that much for a record. But if I can find like a Flying Saucer Attack vinyl for like 10 to 15 bucks, yeah, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy that. And that seller had a good copy of Drums and Guns by Lowe. Not my favorite low record, but has several songs that I really love on it, especially Violent Pass, the last song is just beautiful and Hatchet is one of the most unique, interesting low songs. God, I love that band so much, and that's a great record. You know, it's probably like my seventh favorite low record, but I still like it a whole lot. (laughs) Uh, And then I got two low seven-inch singles. I got the California single off of The Great Destroyer, but I got that because it has a different version to cue the strings on the B-side that is unavailable anywhere else, and it's beautiful. And then I got the K low split. K is an artist, low is low. They did a split seven-inch single, and those two songs are unavailable elsewhere as well. I'm not 100% sure that's true. They might be on the Lifetime of Temporary Relief low box set of B-sides and singles, but I sold that, so... That was a CD only thing. So I'm trying to get them all on vinyl. I think I have almost everything now that Lowe's ever put out. But, uh, yeah, those two were cheap. I didn't have them yet. So I got those. And that's all the vinyl that came in. Listen to a bunch of records. Not like, you know, not one of my marathon weeks. Cause I've been so busy, but I got some good stuff in, gave the new Lana Del Rey. A listen, chemtrails over the country club. I really like, I listened to that album the way I listened to a new record when I was 15. I sat down, I carved out an hour. This was the week before last, obviously. I did not have an hour to do that this week. I opened up the lyrics of the record, and I listened and read along to the lyrics to every song. I loved Norman Rockwell, Norman fucking Rockwell, so much. I was so excited for this record, and while it is good, it was not good enough. It's not as good as Norman fucking Rockwell, and there are some great songs on it, but I, uh, yeah. It's good. It's fine. (laughs) I won't say I was disappointed and I enjoyed the experience because I hadn't done that in so long. Just sit there and listen to a record while reading the lyrics. It was a fantastic experience. I wish I could do it more often still. So I wouldn't say I was disappointed, but the record isn't as good as the last one. So that was a little bit of a bummer. There's a new Consolidated record. I wrote a lot about this on my email, but uh, Consolidated... I think I've talked about them to you guys as well, like months and months and months ago, but they were this very woke leftist industrial band on network records in the early 90s, and I would see them live a lot. I met Craig Uram, who's one of my oldest friends. He was the drummer in Rockets vs. the Streetlands. We met at a Consolidated show because <laughs> we were woke, liberal, and like, rock and roll turn kids in 1990. I think it was 1990 in Boston uh and then they didn't put out they put out albums for a while and then they stopped they haven't put out album in well over 20 years and uh they put out a new one it's called we're already there it's not as in your face. the politics are the same and the world's caught up to their politics like they had woke left politics in like the Reagan era you know um and uh so, you know, they haven't like gone even further afield in their leftist politics. They're not telling us, you know, that trees are humans or something, but, <laughs> but it's the same politics and they're still relatively pretty far. They're still significantly left of like Bernie Sanders. Right. So like. Uh, but it's more of a like the album is more musically varied. The lyrics are subdued. There's like a white noise track on it. There's like a, a couple dub tracks on it. One of the other guy in the band, not the lyricist, but one of the other guys in the band, went on to be in both Meat Beat Manifesto and Michael Franti's Spearhead. So if you imagine those two mixed together, you start to get an idea of what the musicality is of the new consolidated album. There's a new album by JJ Johansson, who is a smooth synth pop R uh, synth pop a smooth synth pop loungy it's hard to hard to explain what he's like but he's Swedish he's a solo artist he's been putting albums out for quite a long time this is probably his 12th album I have most of them I've always loved him uh and it's great it's called Rorschach Test uh I almost got to see him once at the Mercury Lounge when I lived in New York only time I was aware of him ever coming to America, and I was gonna go, and then something like horrible happened. I can't remember what, but it was some deeply traumatic friend, like a friend died or something. It was bad, and I was so sad I couldn't go. And uh, on top of whatever I was actually sad about, but uh, the new album's great, and I'm I love it, and I love him, and I strongly recommend it if you are into. I mean, I could give you analogs, but they're probably not super useful. Like late period, aha, like minor earth major sky period, aha. Um, A more sparse everything but the girl, uh, a melodic mid period massive attack. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I really like it. Uh, And then I listened to uh, Parca de Comedas. I've talked about them before. They're like this Mexican shoegaze band, they're great. one of the songs came on that I really liked from six months ago or so, and I was like, oh, I wonder if they have anything new, and I looked at, I looked them up on Spotify, and they did not, but what they did have is an album of demos that I had not listened to, and it was called Intenciones Demos y Maquetas, 2017 to 2019. So I listened to that, and it was great. It's not a shoegaze, it's not as much swirling, spiraling feedback guitars as the other stuff, but at its core, it's the same sort of thing. So, you know, what is shoegaze without the... The reverb and the the feedback, it's like, uh, you know, Heavenly or something like that, right? Sort of dream poppy, if you will. Um, I like that. My friend Og Stone made me aware that Tony Halliday, the woman who was the lead singer of Curve back in the day, has a new EP called Roll the Dice. I loved Curve. They were one of the best live bands I've ever seen, which I think people would be surprised to hear because a lot of people, when they think of Curve at all, think of them as a studio project. But they were great live, and uh, Tony's got a great voice. This one is more electronic than old Curve, which is you know sad for me, but it's still pretty good. I enjoyed it. Uh, then I listened to this album called, it was self-titled. It's called For Those I Love. My friend Gareth out West hit me to this, and it is, oh my God, it is intensely it's fantastic it's intense it's moving it's dark it's like as if the fall made dance music in a good way It's like if, uh, you know, the fall, we're singing over the really good late period New Order stuff. (laughs) It's so intense. And then, like, uh, Gareth told uh, told me to read about the backstory. And it's like, this guy was in a band with his friend. And the friend died. And this album is how he made to get through it. And it's just like, oh, my God. I was listening to a song off of it today when I was driving around. I was like, this is too much. It's good. It's good. Strong recommend. Uh, and then my friend Ben Haas, when we were on a Zoom call this weekend, was like, oh, I love Mark Lanigan. And he was telling me about, I have not listened to a lot of solo Mark Lanigan. Um, I loved the uh, stuff he's done with Greg Dooley. I love the Gutter Twins. And I had mentioned that I just watched a him doing Disorder with Peter Hook in the Light on a YouTube video that was really good. And I had Whiskey for the Holy Ghost way back in the old days, but I hadn't listened to his later period stuff, so he to I you know I had him pick one. He, he picked two of the other one's the Isabel Campbell one, but I already heard that, but I gave that a re-listen. But the one he told me to listen to that I hadn't heard yet was called I'll Take Care of You. And he was right, it was beautiful. Mark Lanigan is a talented guy, man. Also he looks really good in a hat. <laughs> Uh, And then my friend Sean told me that Suede, the London Suede, had been still putting out albums after I stopped paying attention to them. And that's like a pet peeve of mine when a band's really big that I really like. And then they keep putting out albums and I keep listening to them. But a lot of casual fans stop listening to them. And I was always only a casual Suede fan. So I'm doing this. And I was like, okay, I need to go learn about it. So I went and listened to the album Blood Sports. And Sean's right. It was really good. If you like Suede, they're still making really good albums. So heads up on that. Uh, There's a new Juju album called Oh No. That's a great name for a record, isn't it? And it's a a collaborative album. Every song they're collaborating with someone, like the first song they're collaborating with Sharon Van Etten, awesome song. I always listen to Juju albums and I like them live, but I never liked their records, but I really liked this one. I like the way each song, they all flow together. There's no breaks in the album, but each song is with a different collaborator. I don't know what that song was. Maybe my mom again. Anyway, anyway, each song is a different collaborator. Owen Palette of the Arcade Fire is on one of them. Uh, uh, there's somebody called Angela Seo. I don't know who that was, but I really like that track. So, yeah, Juju, oh no, if you are into weird, spooky music. Uh, Lost Girls. So Lost Girls is a collaboration between Jenny Haval, who I like very much, and someone I've never heard of, another woman named Havard Volden. Uh they now make up a band called Lost Girls, and they made an album. I don't know, I'm totally gonna bungle the pronunciation, but it's Kekevit. Kekovit. Kekevit. we'll go with. Uh and it's great. It's kind of weird. It's like seven or eight tracks, and three of them are like 10-minute plus sort of ambient experimental excursions, a little bit noisy. And then the other four are like concise three, four-minute sort of almost synth pop, a little bit darker, you know, maybe like early period skinny puppy. It was really good, and the two two together worked really well, and I really enjoyed that record, so that was solid. Lost Girls, Meneskeke Kolakekevit Meneskeke There we go. Uh, and then the Antlers. Antlers are a band I loved maybe 10 years ago, and they've just put out a new album. It's been the first time in a long time, and I just learned about it. Thank you, Spotify's Music Radar. New Music Radar or whatever it's called. The album's called Green to Gold. It's very mellow. It's very nice. It's a little bit more Black Mountain-y than the psyche, more crazy version of the Antlers of uh, of Yesteryear, uh, but it's beautiful, and I really like that record, Green to Gold. And been listening to that a lot. Uh, floating Points, Pharaoh Sanders, and the Linen Philharmonic. Pharaoh Sanders, of course, is a renowned, esteemed saxophonist, 80 years of age, and he, he just put out this album, and it's fucking fantastic. I don't know much about I mean, I've heard Pharaoh Sanders here and there. I don't know anything about Floating Points. Apparently, he's a producer. Uh, the album's called Promises, and it's just beautiful. I've been listening to it on repeat for days now. Stronger, very ambient. Not ambient, but very eh, tonal. Uh, the production and the Philharmonic are there to support Pharaoh Sanders, and it works great, and I strongly I love it. And then Loretta Lynn has a new record. It's called Still Woman Enough. It is a new album of new material. She is 83 years old. It is her 52nd record. It is great. I got really into Loretta Lynn when Jack White was producing her for an album maybe 20 years ago when the White Stripes were like white hot. And uh, I loved it. And it turns out she's made like four since, and I totally missed it. And uh, this one came out this week, and I really loved it. And I've been listening to that a lot too. So I haven't been listening to tons of music, but all of it was good. Really good. I mean, shit, when Chemtrail, well, I guess they consolidated almost probably the weakest of the bunch, but it's still solid, you know? Solid two weeks for music, I'll say that much. Uh, on the TV front, we watched Saturday Night Live. That was great. <laughs> Maya Rudolph is fantastic. They keep having these white dudes I've never heard of as the musical guests, though, and I'm getting a little sick of that. I feel like people are canceling on them or they're just having a hard time or something. But but uh, the skits are great. They're like in a high absurdist phase. I think this is a very good batch of Saturday Night Live. I do not consider myself an expert. I didn't watch it for like 20 years. <laughs> but I like where it's at right now. Uh, and then my wife watched all of Bridgerton and f- last Saturday night. So a week ago tomorrow, I was going to do the zoom call with some friends It didn't start till 10 and I was killing time after Jane was asleep and came down from putting Jane to bed and Emma was watching Bridgerton and she was like, well, you want to watch this with me until then? And she was halfway through the second to last episode so she paused and caught me up and then I watched the second half of the last second of the last episode and then the entire last episode and I was fine I feel like I didn't need to see the rest of it I get why people like it a lot of hotties in that thing uh clever shtick on making uh you know the Jane Austen world without racism I guess that was clever but uh um, yeah, I don't know. It's still just kind of a soap opera with a lot of sex in it, which is cool. There was a nice speech at the very end of the last episode that, you know, put about love. I like a good rousing speech about love, put a little tear in my eye, so that was cool. But I don't feel any need to go back and watch the rest of it. Uh, I have been watching Falcon in the Winter Soldier, which in this house we call it Falcon in the Winter Snowman, and I cannot stop saying that now. It's a real problem. And uh, it is no by no means a one division. Uh, I don't think this is going to appeal to many people outside the core MCU aficionados. Uh, But the paradox is that's what also makes it kind of interesting. Theoretically, is that it is delving deeper into the backstory of the of some of the MCU characters and uh, some stuff, you know, like on paper, it should be great. Like on paper, I've been asking for TV shows that are like, explain to me how if the Avengers get a salary you know what I mean? Like, I like minutia stuff like that. But it's not actually minutiae. It's got some very well shot action sequences. I don't really care about those. But the two together, they don't really, I mean, it's only two episodes in so far. So maybe the plot will, like, develop more. We shall see. We shall see. But the really, the thing is, is like, Kevin Feige and Marvel have burned me twice. I'm not even a big MCU fan. I'm not even a big Marvel fan. I just watch it all because it's an interesting cultural thing. But since I do, here's my take on it. Kevin Feige and Marvel have burned us several times now with television shows and it is pissing me off. And so it didn't really matter in WandaVision because WandaVision was a great self-contained story and it didn't really matter if it was going to affect the MCU or not. But this one, it does, clearly. And... This was the case before with the Netflix series, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Iron Fist, uh, and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They told us they were going to be part of the MCU, and then they lied, and it's really annoying, and it just makes me mad. And, you know, it's fine, whatever, Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a good show, Jessica Jones is a good show, Luke Cage is a good show... Daredevil's a pretty good show. Iron Fist was bad, but had some fun to it. But they like they would have been fine on their own. But they told insisted to me they're part of the MCU and they're doing it again. And with this one, it matters because they're dealing with like Captain America's legacy and what happens to Bucky and what happens to Sam and what happens to the Avengers as a whole. And it's like I just know they're gonna screw us over. And either a nothing's gonna happen, or b whatever does happen will not be re- re- like worked with or re- like resolved or reckoned with in the films. And that makes me mad, and I know it's going to happen. so I, it makes it very hard for me to emotionally invest. If I'm wrong, and this turns out to actually have a profound impact on the films and the stakes are unknowable again, like a television show should have stakes that could potentially be high, then I could get into it in season two. but right now, even if the stakes seem really high, I'm just like they're going to reset it all or' not going to do anything with it in, in the MCU in the movies, and that annoys me. So I'm not going to get too attached. On the movie front, we watched uh, Godzilla Godzilla vs. Kong. I watched that on the night it came out two nights ago. It was fine. It was a dumb action movie. I think it's pretty interesting because that's the fourth movie in a franchise that nobody can remember as a franchise, and there's probably only like 10 people on the planet that actually can tell you the story of all four movies and how they fit together, and that includes the writers and people that worked on several of the films. But I like to see big monsters fighting, so that was fun. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I'm okay with that and then we watched the Seth Meyers special Lobby Baby hour long I don't know if that's a movie or TV but it was enjoyable filmed in 2019 kind of a couple of weird things with how long it's been since you know it's pre-pandemic but uh, it was enjoyable and we watched uh, The Way I See It which is a documentary about Pete D'Souza Obama's official press or press photographer official White House photographer and it was really good Uh, you know, I definitely couldn't have watched it pre Biden being elected because I would have been too upset, but watching it after the election really helped and it's a good little history lesson. He was also a press photographer for Ronald Reagan. And it, you know, it talks a lot about different presidents in history, more educational than I thought it was. And I recommend it. It's pretty quick. It was an MSNBC production. So that'll tell you about its politics, but it was solid. And on the book front, uh, I'm still reading those Becky Chambers books. I finished the first one, Long long Way Around to a Small Angry Planet, and now I'm reading the second one, A Closed and Common Orbit. And I love them. I love them. They're super woke. They're super low stakes. The planets aren't getting destroyed. People are barely dying, if ever. Like, it's not a bunch of wars. It's just like life in the future with aliens, man, and like everyday concerns. And I've been yearning for things like that. So thank you to my friend Alice Marwick for recommending them to me. I'm in the middle of the second one and I just love it. So yeah, fantastic book. Strongly recommended if you need some comfort sci-fi reading. that's about it for this week thought i was gonna rush through that because i've been so busy but no we got like almost a full hour together so that's nice i like you guys hope you're doing all right drop a line let me know how you're doing talk to you guys in two weeks stay safe let's make it through this pandemic we're not out of the woods yet unfortunately soon